Welcome back to my podcast, Leadership, Legacy, and Love. I'm Russell Fugit. And I guess I took a little bit of a spring break on you. I just realized that it's been a little over two months since I've got in here and got busy. Of course, as some of you know, I also do a pod um, over at Good Word Digital, which you can find at goodworddigital.com or by searching the Good Word on all your podcasting apps. The Good Word is the name of the show. Took a spring break from there, too. And man, it's just been personally in a little bit of an intense time. I say a little bit in an intense, right? Like There's degrees of intensity, but it's been intense. And God is just stretching me and um, trying to to yield to it and adjust my thinking and adjust uh, my approach, perhaps as well. And um, gracious enough to have uh, a wife and family who are willing to to be stretched with me, and and that's certainly a part of the the entrepreneurial journey that I don't think a lot of people take the time to to talk about. So I'm just grateful to be here. I'm also um, such a perfectionist and a technician. I'm probably going to be pivoting some of the uh, infrastructure that I have created to begin this podcast. And I think you're going to, as a result of that, when I get to it, and it may take me another month or two to set it up how I want it. um, But you might begin hearing from me quite regularly, right? It would make it so that um, I could post a lot more frequently. And I think that's part of the challenge I've had is uh, having um, the time and the quiet in my home where I record to be able to to give you some of these thoughts. Um, so you might start seeing some five to ten minute episodes where I'm just want to encourage and you may get some long form and a few things in between. And also, I do want to interview people and. I think the the pivot there could make it a little bit easier to do that. So, but first I want to back up. And um, as you know, I went to South Africa and I've been back now. I think it'll be five weeks tomorrow, actually. Um, And I'm just referring to it as my new frontier. And um, it's been fascinating. I believed from a younger age, young adult age, that um, there would be opportunity for me to bring encouragement. And I read a, a wonderful um, devotional recently that really enlightened me. It talked about, I can't remember who wrote it. It talked about uh, encouragement being prophetic, right? And and I've just been blessed to have the gift, I think, which can be a challenge sometimes, right? When you see things in others that they don't see in themselves, right? When you see uh, potential, when you see opportunity, um, and other people don't see it. But when you see it, you can envision it, you can imagine it, right? So that having that, um, you know, prophetic type of encouragement, what doesn't mean you're you're not a, you know, it's not like a Ouija board or anything crazy where you're, you know, telling people what's going to happen, predicting the future, right? But you can just see the potential, right? And I always pray, often pray when it comes to people and in circumstances to help me to see things and see people and understand as God would see people, right? People who are, as we all are, hurting and deficient and lacking in, in many ways, right? How to understand to see that. Because once you see that, it becomes easier to love that person. It becomes easier to 
to go into a situation, even if it's unfamiliar and serve and, and lead and give. Right. And that's what I'm often seeking to do. So South Africa is a new frontier. And when I was younger, um, it was spoken over me. And I believe that I would have the ability and the opportunity to um, speak and encourage and lead and do business internationally. Right. And that, um, you know, people in other nations would be blessed by my encouragement, what I, what I share, and perhaps even what I do, what I help organize. Right. And so I've been believing for that. And of course, it's been years and, and life goes on and things happen. And you don't ever see how that's going to happen until all of a sudden a trip to go to a foreign country, all expenses paid by the U.S. embassy in that country falls in your lap. And literally within a matter of a couple months from getting an email, I guess about less than three months, you're on a plane to South Africa. <laughs> and, um, you know, then, you know, 12 days later, you're back and back to your reality as an entrepreneur and um, who's paying the bills and you're kind of between deals, you know, and it's funky and it ain't always fun. And you got, you know, people and in, in clients who, of course, you made aware that you were going to be gone and told them to contact you. But it's, it's almost like you say you're going to Africa and everybody thinks you're going to be in the bush. And I was on my I had my laptop. I was on the Wi-Fi. I was on WhatsApp and no one was really emailing me or calling me. No, you know, not really. Right. And then literally the Monday morning I get back, my phone is ringing at eight in the morning. I'm like, you know, it's still Monday. I got back on Saturday. I'm still, you know, not really trying to do a whole lot that Monday, just kind of get my bearings and make sure I knew what time it was back here in the East Coast, the United States. And my phone literally starts ringing. I'm like, you know, you could have called me like on WhatsApp or you could have texted me or emailed me like, you know, last week. You know, I spent a good amount of time sitting around at universities between meetings and in traffic, you know. So anyway, it was just fascinating. So. But man, so South Africa, real quick, I mean, the Venture Capital Conference, Enlightening um, in Stellenbosch, which is one of the wealthiest places on earth and undoubtedly probably one of the most segregated. Um, there's a lot of wineries there. Stellenbosch is outside of Cape Town and had a great conference on technology transfer um, at the University of Cape Town on that Monday. I guess it was April, March 4th, rather. And I guess a lot of people, I realize, do not know what tech transfer. I've said that explaining why I was going to South Africa and I've just seen people's eyes glaze over. So I've just default now have given to explaining it. So I'll do that here. Tech transfer is when you have all these universities create inventions, professors and their students, usually in the graduate programs, you know, usually in the math, science, engineering, computer science programs and in health related fields, biology, chemistry, medical fields, create technology, but then nothing comes of it. It's never taken to market, right? It could be life saving, life changing. It could be the next big billion dollar company, but it sits there on the shelf. So you have this intellectual property and oftentimes the universities have even filed patents or trademarks or copyrights, what have you for it, but it's not generating any revenue uh, or creating opportunity. So the challenge then becomes how do you as a university create a pipeline where you can match these inventors and the technology with entrepreneurs and train those entrepreneurs and those businesses and provide them capital in a pathway uh, reasonably to the market. And of course, in South Africa, where there's a high unemployment and a huge socioeconomic gap between black Africans and white Africans and Africans, um, 25 years post apartheid, there is a tremendous need 
for this to work. And it's not about the brilliant Americans coming over. Um, I was lucky enough to be in a delegation that had um, the head of tech transfer from University of Michigan, which does over $1.5 billion worth of these types of deals on an annual basis. And I think it's second only behind, I think, Stanford University, I believe it was, maybe MIT, one of those, um, <laughs> to, to doing this kind of work. Learned a lot from him. And then also a gentleman from Stevens Institute in New Jersey, which also does a lot of this uh, work, um, were a part of the delegation. So they were learning things from what's happening in South Africa. So it was certainly an exchange, a partnership, right? We're not coming to be arrogant, brilliant Americans. And then from there, we were, um, man, we went to Durban, to two universities there. Um, Durban Institute of Technology and the University of uh, KZN, KwaZulu-Natal. And, um, and then ended up in Johannesburg and went to Johannesburg, University of Johannesburg. And it's so fascinating. Um, this, the, the institutions are undergoing um, what they've called, I think, transformation, which, you know, pre uh, apart, during apartheid, rather, you had black schools and white schools. Sounds familiar for those of you who listen to or aware of the historically black colleges. Well, those universities have now merged and renamed and rebranded themselves. And apparently from everything I've gathered, that more or less has gone smoothly. You still have um, a gap from what I've gathered where the historically white institutions um, who may or may not have merged still have more of the resources and wealthier students. And, and then um, these are all public institutions. So then, of course, there's always a struggle and a fight for resources. And then overall in society and, of course, trickling down into the universities is an ongoing debate about what's equity look like, um, you know, as you, you know, try to create wealth and opportunity for uh, particularly for black Africans who um, you know, are um, still trying to get economic equality where. You hear a stat that anywhere between 70 and 85 percent of the land is still owned by by white Africans. And um, there's a big uh, gap there economically in terms of of uh, ownership and opportunity. And then you're in a very risk averse society. The, the venture capitalists on the panel talked about, you know, they want 65 percent or better returns that their investors expect that here in America. We usually refer to that as a bank, <laughs> not venture. Um, and then you meet entrepreneurs um, who, of course, are many of which are first generation college students or graduate students and very risk averse society. Um, so there, there has this hesitation about entrepreneurship and idea of failing. Right. Or failing repeatedly before you have success. Um, and, and of course, it's very hard There's a big gap in early stage capital. There's a developed network when it comes to private equity for more mature companies to get that kind of funding and managerial support will even be acquired, but then the venture space is limited. And then the early stage angel and seed space is almost non-existent. So there's a huge gap in terms of capital. Um, there seems to be also a gap in terms of training and coaching around entrepreneurship. And I think that's where I come in to some extent, potentially, and where I'm really believing for there to be a few great opportunities. I've already taken the first step at broaching them with the head of my delegation, Kyle Farnbury. And I encourage you to go to the Good Word podcast and it'll probably be about three or four episodes back to listen to the short interview I did with Kyle before we left. that talked about what we would be doing on the trip, because what we, he said we would be doing on the trip is exactly what we did. <laughs> so there's no need to really revisit it. I encourage you to listen uh, to that interview. If you get a second, it's real short and real concise. He's an academic. He's brilliant. And he summed it up and he's been doing work there for 17 years, former Fulbright scholar and um, couldn't have a better leader to take us into South Africa. 
And so uh, one of the things I had the chance to do was talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and students. It's actually a video that's supposed to be coming out like any day now where we were in Durban. We were recorded. It's come back two hours long. We were so tired, me and my dog. <laughs> it was like five o'clock in the afternoon, but it had been a long day. It was hot. It's like Miami, you know, temperature wise. It's subtropical climate. And I got to put my feet in the Indian Ocean. Man, <laughs> my brain froze a few times and I had to ask him to repeat the question one time. And then I was able to like, you know, kind of restarted the engine, and I think I gave a decent answer. We'll see when the video is available. I'll share that across social channels and uh, in my email newsletter. You'll many of you might be signing up to get from RussellFugit.com. So anyway, um, I'm just believing that there's an opportunity to to be to bring some leadership to help change the mindset, and that's what wasn't spoken to me that there's a need for. How do we have an entrepreneurial mindset, right? How do we have the right attitude, right, to uh, to be entrepreneurs, to handle risk and how to prepare for risk, how to avoid and mitigate and manage risk, right? So I'm putting my project management hat on, my PMP on too, 12 years in the game on that. <laughs> Someone told me recently I'm an OG when it comes to project management. I've been certified since 2007, certified for another year before I got to re-up. <laughs> so... Oh, man. So I'm looking forward to going back. I think I'll probably be getting back. I would imagine in the next 18 months, there was some brief discussion around going back for this entrepreneurial conference that the universities are having nationwide at the end of June. You know, I don't know if I'm ready to go back just yet. And I think I'll probably have to figure out how to bring the family with me if I'm going to go for more than a week. But even then, it's it's just tough. Um, So everybody has sacrificed um, for me to have this opportunity, right, in my family. And so I'm, I'm grateful to my wife and my kids. And they don't understand it completely. How could they? Especially my kids, of course. But I know that they'll reap the rewards. And it's it's not a next week or next month or even next year type of thing. It's going to be a, a long-term engagement. And that's why calling, I think, a new frontier, right, is is relevant. You know, it's, it's, it's going to take a while to discover the opportunities on that frontier, but you've discovered it. You kind of know what's out there. And so you got to come back and recalibrate and prepare for your next trip, you know. Um, but there's a lot, tremendous amount of activity um, on the continent. And um, I was able to read a wonderful uh, book about the Africa, Africa's business revolution. It came out in November. Um, I, I put it on my Instagram feed as a picture of it um, not too far back and go on Amazon and get it. If you want to know, it's about 180, 190 pages, really. Um and it gives a great summary and synopsis as to the, the lay of the land on the con- on the continent, and then and kind of what you need to look for and understand, and and how to really position yourself if you want to do business there. And it, the thing the book made clear, and my trip made clear, is it's no overnight. Um, but if you are prepared and understand the risks, but also the tremendous opportunity because of the natural resources, the growing. Uh, infrastructure, the relative peace that is, exists across the continent, you know, and the Western media does not go, do a good job of telling the whole story at all. The growing middle class, the growing population, um, the uh, relatively, um, you know, conservative, but as a banking infrastructure, there's, you know, good telecom infrastructure, et cetera, and it's growing, right? And of course, in agriculture, in terms of clean water and education and healthcare, this huge need, huge opportunity, but also in retail and entertainment. There's been some articles recently. You could Google we'll talk about the growing uh, entertainment. One of the largest streaming companies in the world, I think, is now uh, out of Nigeria or Kenya. 
I think most of the people who use, do streaming music on the continent use this company. I can't remember the name of it, but I read about it. So it's like, you know, a lot of uh, things are happening and um, they really pay attention very closely to uh, Britain, Britain, the UK, and of course the European Union. And then of course, very much aware of what's going on here in America. And then of course, China, those seem to be kind of the three accesses, if you will, that kind of determine economics and what they look to in terms of understanding where they're going to fit in. Um, but um, someone told me that South Africa is the gateway to doing business on the rest of the continent. So we'll just see where it takes me. I'll be reporting back. But man, um, the new frontier is always an eye-opening, life-changing experience. Did have a chance to visit a township, um, Langa, L-A-N-G-A, outside of Cape Town, and experience and understand that and the history there. Um, And then I got a chance to visit the Hillsong Church in... Cape Town, Culver, Century City. I'll say Culver City like it's California, but it could have been California. It looked just like, man, it could have been in L.A., man, like the, the, the infrastructure, the scenery, the temperature, everything. And um, took an Uber out there on a Sunday morning, went to 8.30 service. I was proud of myself. I was able to get up all early. I was up at 5 in the morning. <laughs> Didn't know what time it was. Uh, going to 8.30 service has never been so easy, <laughs> let me tell you. Oh, man. And um, I actually saw that they were doing an innovation hub in a um, township not far from from where they're located and i asked the lady for the information she introduced me to this guy who's wearing a neon yellow utility vest and i guess he was managing like the parking lot and traffic because service already began and i started talking to him chatted up told him why i was in south africa and i attend a uh, kind of a hillsong outshoot related church back in in maryland his wife's from virginia so i met her and we talked up. That was crazy. Um, they have two young daughters. So do I. Crazy. Um, so I'm standing around getting my coffee, getting going to service. The service is packed, right? Like standing room only. So I'm standing in the back of the service. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'll, I'll find a seat or I'll just, you know, I'll just stand. I've been sitting on airplanes and in meetings, you know, so much <laughs> that standing was okay. Um, and and um, this young man's name, I should say young. He's, I think he's, I'm pretty sure he's younger than me. Um, you know, uh, Stefan came back and said, hey, come with me. I find myself, I'm sitting two rows from the front and um, ended up sitting there and had a wonderful experience there. And um, didn't know who he was. I went back and you know found him on Instagram and I still need to send him a message and follow up. And that's, you know, I'm, I've been slacking on that. Found out he's a chief operating officer of the Hill Con- Hillsong Africa Foundation. Um, and so we need to connect and I don't know, again, what's happening there, but they're talking about, you know, wanting to rebuild and and take on a nation. So, uh, you know, my church, I five city, you can look them up. I, the number five city, you know, they're pushing into Baltimore and really wanting to, you know, bring Jesus and have an impact in the city of Baltimore, which has certainly been on my heart in great measure for the last five or six years in great, in great measure. Um, it's a kind of, I kind of left. DC as my focus and shifted more to Baltimore. Um, and so it's fascinating to kind of see the, the similarity in the languages and the thought and trying to bridge the gaps, the economic gaps, the racial gaps, um, and, 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 and the, the love gap, right. If you will, of, of uh, you know, all of us, you know, children of God. Right. Uh, and, and so they're looking to build an innovation hub, a jo- where they can help 
do job training, entrepreneurship, support. Um, I think there's also a healthcare and housing piece as well. And just have like a center in the middle of a township in Cape Town. Um, so they're looking to do, you know, a lot of this wonderful work. And, and my church, I-5 City, you know, talks about impact, you know, food, water, clothing, shelter, care. I think that's five. Um, but really, you know, it's, it's an it's a outreach, you know, it's, a, it's an outreach as a church, right? Um, it's not a church that does outreach. And so it's very similar in that way in terms of, um, you know, how to take on these challenges. And they're talking about, you know, again, my church is talking about taking over a city. They're talking about how do we build a nation. And that context was not only used in the context of visiting Hillsong Church. It was used at these universities, right? You know, we got to build a nation. We're 25 years post-apartheid. We have a whole generation of kids now who grew up after apartheid, right, in our, in our schools, and, and then we got to, you know, they're trying to, the government's doing certain things and things are moving, but it's not moving fast enough. There's been a whole scandal the last nine years where billions of dollars got built um, and stolen from the government in South Africa. They're trying to overcome that. There's an election there in a month. We're looking out for that um, and hoping that the outcome there is positive. And I think it's, it's, it's a dynamic place that really so much could happen there. And um, I'm excited to be able to perhaps be a small part of it and just hopefully, if nothing else, to encourage these young people, man. I'll, I'm turning 40 this summer. I just want to encourage somebody. I just want to love somebody and say, you can do it. And if I can help them do it, if I can help get them a, a check for a half a million rand or, you know, help them build a software or solve a problem. I don't know. I don't know what it would be. It could be all of the above in different points. And um, but, man, if, 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 if I can do it, I want to. I met this amazing man um, um, who uh, who attends the University of Nelson of Nelson Mandela in Saint Elizabeth. Uh, it's a it's it, it's a university that specializes in um, I think oceanic studies, right? Because they're right on the water. I think I think it's the Indian Ocean where they're located. If my geography is accurate, this dude looked just like Mandela, and he had that spirit. And I think he's 25 years old. I'm not going to say his name right now, but I'm hoping to build a relationship with that young man. He literally created businesses on campus because he saw a need. They had um, they've had rolling, rolling, roving power outages in South Africa. And um, so at night, their campus was pitch black dark. And they have a pause for a dramatic effect, 10 different types of snakes that live on their campus. <laughs> So my man said he got some money together and went and bought like those minor flashlights you put on the top of your head. And he think he said he went and bought like 10 or 20 of them. He sold them like within an hour. <laughs> and he, was, like, he had to figure out how to get more. Everybody wanted one because everybody was definitely afraid of walking around at night from dorm room to library or whatever, from building to building and get bit by a snake. So he did that. And then he, he just kept doing the obvious brilliant thing. And I gave a speech on a panel at George Washington on, on uh, last Saturday. Meet the critical needs. And how do I start a business? What do I do? Find your skill set and offer it to the first person. That's one. But number two, and the one that gets me the most excited is identify a critical need in your community and then meet it. These people need a flashlight so they didn't get so they could see where the heck they were walking to at night and not get bit by a snake. Man, how profound. Like it's like so simple, it's like duh. But it takes one person to see it and then do it. And it said it got to the point where he's had these businesses where he's in grad school now. His mother is like, How come you're not asking me for sending you money anymore? He's like, 
I got it. You know, I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm, I have my own businesses. And he's been a leader on his campus, apparently. And he was a part of this conference we had. They flew him from St. Elizabeth to Cape Town to be at this conference about entrepreneurship and how we could you know, improve technology transfer in the university system. There's 26 universities in the public system in South Africa. So, you know, young men like that, and there are a lot of young women entrepreneurs as well. And we were kind of shamed at a couple points that there were no women in our delegation. And I've already talked to Kyle about, hey, we need to send a woman delega a, a delegation of women. The other interesting piece was um, being a black American. I got one person told me this and I got to send some other people. They never, besides perhaps meeting Kyle, obviously a lot of people met Kyle's African-American, black American. I'm a black American. None of them have ever met a black American. I have a sense none of them probably met a black American business owner, entrepreneur. And until you can see yourself and someone else, right, until you can, um, you know, ha I guess relate, have someone that can relate to your challenges, right? Cause I know I've been in meetings where I'm like, okay, yeah, I just, I can just tell, you know, this person is not, is not feeling me <laughs> because of the shade of my skin or, you know, or maybe it's something else, but that's part of being black is a challenge. You never really understand or know for sure. Right. And a lot of times it's subconscious. Sometimes it's conscious and overt and in your face. Sometimes it's not. And that's really the, the challenging thing about it. But I could just tell that my words and, and what I had to say, I think, you know, was felt. And I was also the youngest member of the delegation as well, probably helped as well to be able to communicate, um, and relate in terms of the time of life. There were some of these grad students were like me, married with kids and in grad school and, and running one of them was running a business in grad school and working as an engineer for an oil and gas company, like offshore drilling type stuff. I was like, dude, like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to ask him, how does he do? He's asking me questions. I should be asking him questions. So it's just amazing. Um, and I'm just excited. New frontier, man. I'm um, just praying now how to, how to embrace it and how to maintain these relationships. And to, so far, I have to admit, I have not done a good job of uh, relationships and following up. Um, but I'm hoping tax season's done. <laughs> and I'm working on some other things that are important that I've been focused on and very much focused on my family and making up for the little bit of lost time, which I've, of course, been able to do by now. And you know, But don't want to get so far into the weeds here that I forget about the frontier. Cause I think there's opportunity and something there to do and there's a harvest to be had there right so um, i'm excited and um, i'm just gonna end up this episode and i probably will um, record something again soon i certainly will not be gone for two months again from this space but i just wanted to talk briefly and hope hope this encourages someone um and i'm calling it you know kind of patience in the pivot and I've been an entrepreneur. I was on a call with someone today. I was like, I have not had a W-2 since 2010. So going on nine years in September, officially it'd be nine years if I'm doing, if I'm counting correctly. And um, I've pivoted more times than I can count. <laughs> I've had business partnerships or quasi-business partnerships that I'm, I'm pretty sure, I've, some of which I've forgotten about, haven't thought about in a long time. And um, you know, if I listed them all out and the time I invested and the money I've invested and got little or nothing in return for, man, you know, 
I would I, I would probably I don't know what I would do if I really stopped and thought about all of it. Right. And I think it could be it could be discouraging. It could also maybe be encouraging. I do think about it from time to time. And and I look around at all the blessings I have and I'm just grateful um, for what I have and for what God's given me and for my health and for my well-being and um, my family, my wife and my kids. And, you know, that's what's important. I'm really thankful for um, the growth in my relationship with Christ. I don't think for me, if I had a job and you know, out of grad school with a PMP, I probably could have gone and gotten a six figure job in the military industrial complex and consulting somewhere. Right. There's so many jobs like that here in this D.C. area. But I just I just know where I was 12 years ago. And for sure, um, I would not have had the growth. Um, so, you know, the journey's hard and understanding and who God is in the midst of the journey and, and being able to be stretched, as I said in the beginning, um, and allowing that to happen and then having a wife who's able to do it with me um, and is OK and patient enough to do it with me. Um, man, what a blessing those things are. And so I just want to encourage somebody today to have patience in the pivot. And I had a joke one time with one of my friends, another business owner. I said, yeah, I got more. I'm, I pivot more than Tim Duncan out here, man. I know how to pivot. You know, I can shoot with my left hand, shoot with my right, you know, learn how to be a bit of jack of all trades, you know. <laughs> and, man, just having patience in the pivot. I also, when I played basketball three knee surgeries ago, I was, you know, post player and I was in the pivot. And one thing I had to learn was when you, the ball comes to you, you don't have to go fast. You know, you kind of feel kind of sense where the defense is. You know, maybe you want to pass it back out for someone else to take a shot. But if you want to make your move, you know, you don't got to go as fast as you think. You know, so I'll turn around, see the basket, you know, or if you know where you're on the floor and it's, you know, drop step, make your move, go strong, you know. Um, but having patience in the pivot, right, and not rushing. You know, you don't want to travel, you don't want to turn the ball over. So have patience and go through the process. And the one thing that, I mean, I, I might have said this in earlier episodes that God has been saying to me a lot recently, is just follow through. Like so many times we pray and we want to know the answers, and that's not how it works. You know, when I, when I, it's not coming down, you know, um, like that, like that, you know. But the answers ex happen when you keep going. When you take the journey, when you take the steps, when you follow through, when you send the difficult email, make the difficult, uncomfortable phone call, when you get up and do the work every day that you might not enjoy doing. And I've had to do some things I have not enjoyed doing and deal with some people I have not enjoyed dealing with um, in recent weeks. And that's just the nature of being a business owner and, and trying to get things in a position to scale, which has been my goal. And I'm working on some things now. I'm hoping that. I can announce in the next month or two that I used to have a sh another shot <laughs> at doing something special. And I've had a few shots before and it hasn't worked out, but I have another shot. Lord willing, um, in God's time, maybe this is the time. This is the season. Um, but otherwise, I'm looking to pivot. I'm, I'm reevaluating you know, my business um, interests and my partnerships and my clients even. You know, I have a client I'm talked about firing <laughs> you know like like the money's good but it ain't that good for this aggravation and just that's just real you know but you know but i need to make an in the income you know so you know what do i do what does that look like for me so you know and these discussions have included my wife and my family extended you know what it was going to look like and so it's just part of the journey and that's what you have to learn how to 
how to pray through. And I'm not saying I've done it every day because I've been waking up a couple times this week, four in the morning, just not been able to sleep. You know, I had my wisdom teeth pulled recently. That could be part of it, too. My teeth hurt. <laughs> Got a headache. <laughs> you know, so it's just life. And um, but man, like pers- focusing on God, taking that moment, you know, it doesn't have to be 30 minutes to an hour. It doesn't have to be at a specific place or time. It doesn't have to be when things are quiet. But I, I'll do my devotion. My kids are running around crazy at night after dinner. I'll sit down, open up my Bible app and read a devotional, read a few chat, read a chapter, half a chapter or a verse. You know, like I'm on my phone flipping through Instagram and Facebook and getting nothing out of it. You know, um, you know, leaving empty, right? Leaving hungry. But I open up the Bible app and get something and get some encouragement, get something to think about to end my day or begin my day. You know, it doesn't have to be more than a few minutes, but trying to just stay connected and strengthen my connection. Because because even when that that pivot moment comes and you're ready, you decide what your move is going to be and you're going to go to the hole. You know, you still got to be ready to make the shot, <laughs> you know, because you're going to you're still going to have op- opposition. Right. You're still going to have the defender. It's still going to be there trying to keep you from scoring, you know, so but not to get too carried away with this metaphor, but because through Christ Jesus, we already have what the victory. (laughs) So, you know, we got to keep it all in context and we're always trying to score and have our our plans and our vision. And, you know, we're praying that God is ordering our steps and directing us towards what he'd have us to do to be a blessing and to be used unto him and to, you know, be a, a bless our family and, and to um, be useful, right, in, in his service and to have peace and joy in our life. But, you know, we have to keep it all in context. And the beautiful thing about going to a place like South Africa is that you realize you're just a small speck. I mean, just looking out over the Indian Ocean and just thinking about people who got on wooden boats and sailed across to get places and ship you know to do commerce or to explore you know like it's kind of hard to imagine and you realize just how small you are and how vast how vast South Africa is by itself let alone how vast the continent is in terms of how long it would take you to fly you know from somewhere you know you think it's as big as like the United States and it's like (laughs) you know I think it's like five or six United States some of thereabouts in terms of the land mass so you just really realize how insignificant you are in the grand scheme of things. But to God, you're very significant. And um, and that's just a blessing to know that he's on that he's on our side. He's with us, you know. And so that's got to be the focus and the pivot. And so I'm having patience. I'm working through it. I'm following up and um, I'm trusting that the blessings will come and that the opportunity for me to be a blessing will increase. That's truly been my heart's desires to. It's to be able to be a blessing, to be able to to give generously and to 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 uh, to sow an abundance and reap an abundance on top of that, too. And um, so it's hard, but we're doing the work and we're having faith and we're having patience in the pivot. So I think with that, I'm just going to say thank you to everybody who's spent the last uh, 35 plus minutes listening to this. My book and I probably should have said this in the beginning. My book is available for sale on Amazon.com. Patience, Perseverance, and Prayer, Devotional for Entrepreneurs. Um, search it. I've I put a link on my Instagram, at Russell Fugit. You can um, go to my Instagram page and click the link and find it there as well. You can find it on RussellFugit.com. 
the link in my Instagram profile will take you to it. And then also RussellFugit.com. And um, I'm just grateful. Buy a copy. I think it's 10 bucks for print and um, soft cover. And then I think the ebook is about $6. So thank you for listening. Stay tuned and um, have a wonderful and a, a blessed Easter season. And um, I'll, just, I'll be back in this space much sooner. No more spring breaks. So I'll be back here soon. And again, as I transition uh, to the podcast, you may be hearing more frequently from me. And I um, just want to use my voice to encourage and to share and to document my story, my journey. So thanks for tuning in. This is Russell Fugit, Leadership, Legacy, and Love. God bless.